Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, hey everybody, welcome. How's everybody doing? Great. Pretty funky fresh. All right, we have a couple different... uh, topics. Annie, start with yours. What's on your mind? Yeah. So uh, we just got back from Florida and um, we drove. So we had a lot of time to spend in the car and we needed, you know, to entertain ourselves. So we listened to Dateline, the Dateline podcast for hours. (laughs) And, you know, we had the kids were in on it. Everybody was listening to it. How old is that show? Oh, I don't know. Decades. Yeah, it's a show, but then they they have the podcast also. Um. And so I guess, you know, I, I happen to be a fan of, of true crime, the podcasts, you know, all the, the datelines and the 2020s and things. And so I know that it is quite popular. And I'm just wondering why you guys think that is. What does that say about um, society? Why do people like it so much? You know, if you ask Dave now, Dave got on board with with the whole thing um, as we pass the time. But he he thinks I'm a lunatic, like completely, because I sit there and watch this stuff and they are saying some pretty um, grotesque things. And I'm like, "Mm." I read that statistically women are more likely to listen to the true crime podcast. I don't, you know, is that more revenge? Yeah. Is that, (laughs) that seems, yeah. Like I have a couple friends, all female who listen to that kind of stuff. It's some of the top podcasts. Yeah. Crime junkie, uh, serial, the top listened to podcasts are all these crime podcasts. Now I haven't listened to any of them, um, what, what do you think? Why do you think they're so popular? Yeah. So I was, I, cause it, it forced me to think about why, why do I like these things so much? You know, and I, I do think part of it is sometimes the shock value of, okay. of, you know, people that to see kind of what people are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of it. But more than that, I think I'm fascinated with the way that, um, law enforcement has to kind of work within the confines of the legal system in terms of evidence collection and how, how do they get the bad guy and how do they, um, you know, work within the courts to make sure that they're operating properly to get the bad guy and how do, how do they catch the bad guy? You know, what forensic evidence are they using and, um, just the advancements in forensics and things. So I love it. You know, I don't think it's totally unique to just podcasts. Now it just, it's another Avenue, but crime shows and crime novels and Agatha Christie novels. And they've always been very popular. I think we all, uh, you, you know, it's, there is some conflict that starts where, and you have to resolve this. How is this going to be resolved? And there's nothing deeper than a, a, a deeper conflict than a murder mystery. Right. So trying to figure that out. So I think that's part of it. Um, maybe there is a, I want to know what to avoid. I want to know you know, I've heard that, that like the warning signs. Yeah. Like, or, or just, I want to know what's out there. I want to know what yes. people are thinking. Yes. Uh, it, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's into human psychology. You know, yes. how does a person get to that yes. point where they That's want to take someone's too. life? Mm-hmm. Um, the nature nurture thing, you know, how did, yeah. How did we get here? How did this person end up like this? Yeah. And how did you think that was going to resolve your problems? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it takes me back to the fourth page of the Bible, Cain and Abel, you know, God tells Cain to that sin is crouching in his door. He's got to overcome it. And he thinks, no, I'm just going to get rid of my competition and this is going to solve my problems. And, and so that, you know, 
for whatever reason, when that logic goes off and you think this is going to solve my problems by taking this drastic measure or whatever it is out of anger or sadness. So, yeah, I, I think maybe we, we are designed to, uh, to be drawn in by conflict. I mean, if there's not a problem to solve or a conflict, you think about, I think about preaching in a sermon, I have to engage with some kind of conflict, some kind of problem that we have to resolve by the end of the sermon, or else it's a boring sermon. So I think that's, in, in every, any crime show too, you, know, you have to have the, the case start, open up, the opening scene is always the dead body, and now you have to figure out how that all happened, right? Okay. So I think that's part of it, just how we're wired as humans. We want to participate in that drama. So I don't know, you look like you're really deep in thought over there, Matt. Are the shows, are they all mysteries? Um, well, if you look at, I mean, a lot of them are resolved, you know, where like, no, I mean, oh. is the show presented as a mystery? Oh yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So, okay. well, sometimes it kind of depends. Sometimes, um, they don't know who it is. Sometimes they do have, you know, really strong suspicion, but again, they have to kind of, you know, use the, the evidence and the, the methods to really, you know, but it's like reading a mystery book where you're kind of like the clues are slowly unraveling and you're yeah. kind of putting it together. Yeah. Okay. You think that's part of it? The well, that's like that. I mean, now yeah, that's very entertaining. Whether mm-hmm. it's like grisly crime or you know Scooby Doo, you know oh, we, we all like that. <laughs> um, do you like horror movies? Y- yes, yes. But do you know? Should we be filling our head with this type of stuff? I, I think don't know. that's the next question. You know that that we have to ask is. I don't know if we know all the reasons why psychologically we're drawn to these and why they're so popular. I, I do think it is the, just a conflict. But what's interesting is is that we don't have a problem kind of thinking about this, but if any of these stories were close to us, right, if right. we knew the people, I think we'd think way differently about it. So there's something about something that's really intense and yet we're detached from mm-hmm, it right, that right. we still can get involved in it, that we want to be a part of it but if it was something up close i do wonder how much it is desensitizing us to the value of human life is it callousing yeah to mm. watch someone else's trauma from a safe distance i've thought about that and i i don't i don't think it is because i you know i still think if if it was happening to me or somebody i love then i would definitely feel for it a lot more mm-hmm. um so i i don't but i wonder if i have wondered that like does that make us mm-hmm. you know hard to those things you know, I was just reading about what the footage from the war on Ukraine Oof. is doing to, you know, kids, especially in Europe when it feels closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you wonder how much that is desensitizing us. I, Matt, you and I were having a conversation just last night about, uh, you know, there's nothing that shocks us anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you were gone when the whole Will Smith thing went down. And, and, and <laughs> well, you we know, heard about it. You heard about it. <laughs> everyone did. Everyone did, right? about it, yeah. But we were just... You were like, I'm not surprised. Nothing surprised me. Or we were just talking about how much we're desensitized to sh- to, to shocking events, um, where again, if they were happening to us or we're in the middle of it, and yet we can watch it, we can be a part of it, almost you know visually, uh, and not really have that response. It almost feels fictional. Yes, because it's so, so we're so separate. But you have to think that part of the draw is that it's real, right? You know, like mm-hmm. we're not making this up. Mm-hmm. Why I don't know. I'm just I'm really curious why that is. I mean, like, where I, you know, probably because I don't know, like you're you're you 
you know, like as humans, we're kind of wired to like, you know, be a be alert for danger because mm-hmm. that could eventually come hit us. But it's not like we didn't. I don't know. It's like we didn't. It's not that we didn't know these things were happening. We're just like going. Is it like watching the news? Yeah. You just like watching all the terrible things and. Yeah, maybe that we're drawn to we're drawn to things that are 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 problems. You know, we're always on the lookout for problems drama. and for, for yeah, drama. And, and is that because our lives are too easy? Maybe well, no, that's I was just a, gonna say that. Yeah, because maybe yeah, it's like well, I don't have any drama. <laughs> yeah, we have nothing. We have nothing that's like life threatening happening. So we we seek out conflict and. What were you know. gonna say about horror movies? Were you gonna say something about that? Well, I wonder if it's the same. You know, like there's, I think. I don't understand horror movies. I don't like them. Um, I don't like being scared of things or, you know, watching. I, I don't get it. I, I just, I really don't get it. But I, I think for some people, that. there's something cathartic about being able to release that fear and anxiety in sort of a safe environment. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a movie. Hmm. But you have, you have, it's like um, some people have really like watching really bloody action movies and that's supposed to be cathartic too. Hmm. get out all of your pent-up animalistic rage <laughs> watching the tv right um but yeah i don't know i don't i was just i was just curious if maybe there's some um, a connection between people who like horror movies and people who like listening to true crime series i do think uh solomon says in the proverbs book of proverbs i think it's either in chapter three or four where he says you know above all else guard your heart so I do think you have to have some self-awareness. The hard part is, you know, what we do put in our our brains and what we watch and all these things that we experience, it's hard to know how they're affecting us. You know, it's hard to know, it's hard to self-evaluate. You know, I know there's been lots of studies done and it doesn't seem to that there's really conclusive ev- evidence whether playing video games is actually going to lead to more acting out you know i think they were trying to figure out you know why were there so many school shootings is it because of video games are they being exposed to so many things and now they're going to act them out and i don't think they've been able to draw uh i do think a lack of empathy if there if you if you can watch all this and you can experience all this and you lose a a sensitive conscience or uh you have lack of empathy i mean that's really what uh sociopath is right well, I'm not there yet, so <laughs> we'll keep an eye on you. Keep an eye on me. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know. Put me why, in check. Why do you think that the viewership is overwhelmingly female for these things? These are like I think puzzles, kind of in a way. Um, I've seen like memes and TikToks and things where they say, you know, oh, the, if the police can't figure it out, find two women to make a podcast <laughs> yeah, about right. it, you know. And and I've heard, I mean I've kind of heard some you know some various tiktoks that have you can tell my algorithm that mm-hmm. have um people talking about crime cases and things like that and it i mean it is kind of remarkable all the research that they they've done these kind of uh vigilante you know researchers and detectives kind of and maybe that's what it is you know a problem to solve mm-hmm. uh a problem to avoid uh mm-hmm. something to, to to watch out for i think those are all not not necessarily bad motivations, but I do, yeah, I do think, I, I wonder too where there's a difference maybe, again, I'm not, I'm not a horror film watcher, but there's a difference between watching like a gruesome horror film and be desensitized to that 
and murder she wrote right or you know like oh, yeah we're like <laughs> right where you where you don't see all of the all everything and is that what you're really are you trying to solve the puzzle or are you into the gruesome desensitized well, nature right. right and and to be clear i don't watch those types of horror movies right. the, the, the kind that i like are typically more uh, suspenseful sure. and mind-bending mm-hmm. kind of more than the the gory gruesome so I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not awful yet. Right. It's okay. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on yeah. it. Yep, that's that's good. good. Thanks. <laughs> I, it's fascinating. I'd, I'd be interested, you know, if people want to respond to this topic to what their point, you know, but I think it is the, we're drawn to a problem that's fun to kind of solve and they take you along with it and they're doing a great job. I mean, if they're getting those kind of ratings. And if, if Keith Morrison from Dateline could narrate my life, I would be very happy. Like right. I love, I love his voice. He's great. <laughs> I want the guy from the Twilight Zone. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's good, too. Very good. Anything else on that topic? I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for uh, helping me work through it. That's good. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about, we have Easter around the corner here, and depending on when this releases, we'll be in the Easter season. And although maybe culturally Christmas is the biggest holiday, uh, Easter is the big deal for for, for Christians. Um, and it is the reason why Christianity has taken off, why people still put their faith in Christianity is Easter. Did Easter really happen? I just have a personal story. I, I, in, in high school, you know, I, go th- I went through the normal uh, questioning of my faith and is this really real? I kind of inherited this belief system from my family and went to Christian schools and went to church. But then you get to that age where it's like, I don't know if this is true or not. You know, maybe I just am just t- drinking the Kool-Aid that everybody else is, or, or just getting this from my parents or culture or surroundings. And then I had a teacher who was really good. He's, he's, uh, he's in glory now, uh, Pastor Stephen Hins. And he said in our class, he was going through the proofs of the resurrection, and he talked about some of the common theories of, you know, to disprove the resurrection, the swoon theory that Jesus was just sleeping and he didn't, or, or passed out or, you know, in a coma or something like that, and he was revived. or And he showed how those were not sustainable. And that really didn't get my attention. But then he talked about the fact that all the apostles minus John died a martyr's death saying they saw Jesus alive. And he said a line that I'll never forget. He said, you know, many people will die for what they hope to be true, but no one will die for what they know to be a lie. So some people might, you know, commit suicide for their faith or die a martyr's death for whatever religious belief they have, for what they hope to be, you know, they, they really put their faith, you know, like the Jim Jones cult, you know, people drank the Kool-Aid and did all that. But uh, if you know you saw something or you didn't see something, you will not die for what you know to be a lie. And that always just struck me. And it started the birth of the Christian church, all these all these men died a martyr's death, and even Roman soldiers and early Christians, they started to catch on and said, this must be true, because who would suffer this much? And then you take the next step. Um, if Jesus really rose from the dead, doing something that is scientifically against reason and science and everything, dead things never come to life. Dead things stay dead. Dead things never make life. That Jesus was dead and came back to life, well, then everything else that Jesus said and believed is true too. If that's true, 
I've heard one person say, you know, Jesus put all his eggs in his Easter basket. He put everything <laughs> into this one, right? This is that's a cheesy uh, Chris, Easter <laughs> theme, right? But he, that's what it really was. He said, you know, um, destroy this temple, talking about his body, and I'll raise in three days. And that's how you know I'm from God. That's how you know this is true. That's that that's everything. So. I don't know what you guys think about that, but that was a turning point in my Christian faith where all of a sudden I thought, okay, this is a lot more substantial than just, you know, getting some belief systems from my parents or from a, this, there's some historical evidence around this. There's some history behind this and there's some proof. And for me, that's always been the strongest proof. Well, I think in order to believe if that the martyr, that they were all martyred, Mm -hmm you'd have to believe that the Bible was true, mm-hmm. you know? And so we know that there's evidence to support, you know, the legitimacy of the Bible. But I think that's kind of where people, you know, people find every excuse in the book, but um, one is, you know, what what is the validity of the Bible? Yeah. And is it the authenticity? And so if you can convince people of that, then, you know, I guess I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest obstacles. Yep, that's true. I think what's interesting is the the records of these these deaths are not just in like the record of James dying a martyr's death is not just in the Bible but also in Josephus mm. who was a Jewish historian not a Christian. So what I find I did not know that. Cool. So it's interesting when you have evidence from people who have no reason to back up Christian actually are you know against Christianity um, and are contemporaries of these martyrs who are writing about it. Um, and so you have Josephus talking about that. You have Tacitus. You have some of these other ancient early, uh, and then Eusebius is the the, the early Christian uh, author who kind of compiled a lot of this evidence together in the 300 plus BC or AD. So yeah, I, I think whether or not you trust scripture is a big thing, but not even that. I mean, if you have enemies from the Bible that are validated, that's another powerful. And then even if, again, I do believe the Bible is the truth, and we could talk about manuscript evidence. We were talking a little bit about that before we started. But the rapid growth of the early Christian church, um, where did that start from? And they say it started from... The, so you have... You might not... All right, you have those You have those early documents of the, the, the scriptures, but then the outside sources, and then you have this huge rapid growth of the Christian church. How did that start? Um, there was lots of people who said they were messiahs around the time of Jesus, and they died, and their movement went away. Why did this movement take off? And that's what people will point back to. So there's, cool. a, lot, there's a lot of cross-evidence, I think, that, that really helped me kind of put that all together. And ever since then, I think that was when I started the trajectory of the saying, all right, I think I want to give my life to this. I think I want to preach this message. I, I think hopefully I would have the kind of conviction that I would be ready to give up my life to this and, and whatever that means. So, Matt, you look deep in thought. What do you think? Any response to some of these things? I was just going to ask the same thing that Annie asked because I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think those different theories about like how Jesus wasn't actually dead or anything. It's like if you read the Bible, you can't pick and choose what's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think most people would take the angle that the Bible isn't totally trustworthy mm-hmm. as a whole as a document. So yeah, right. And and then you can kind of I think that's why 
when apologists write their books, usually they start with manuscript evidence. And we talked about this before, but most ancient documents, you were talking about the Galactic Wars and, and Plato's documents and, and all <laughs> these, or what I say? Oh, I said it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Galactic. <laughs> no, can we, can we uh, edit that one out? No. <laughs> That's all right. Caesar's Gallic Wars is what I was talking Here's about. Here's the thing: your mind, you're, you've got this great mind, uh, and you're you're thinking, too many things going on. Yeah. But Plato's writings and Aristotle's writings, you know, we have like hundreds of years of of uh, time between when they wrote it and when it was actually our oldest manuscript. With the Bible, you have like ten decades, and I think that's uh, that's where usually apologists start out is showing how the Bible is the most heavily um, validated do- ancient document compared to anything else. So, And yeah. you, ha- you have to do that if you're yeah. going to try to, you know, because that's the foundation. You know, if, if you can't get people on board with that, then forget it. So happy Easter. I think this is, this is why uh, Christians, instead of worshiping on Saturdays, they worship on Sundays because every Sunday is a... Is a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus and looking forward to the day of our resurrection. Um, it's it's the biggest day of the year for Christians, and the world might not recognize it, but it, it's I feel like it's the, the clearest proof of our faith and the most, most important, and what our faith is really all about, that we believe that we will be resurrected and uh, that Jesus is true. So, happy, happy Easter. The other thing I wanted to talk about which, uh, was an article written by um, Tim Ferriss. He's one of another really well-known podcaster writer. Uh, I think he became famous when he wrote uh, the four hour work week and he just became a multimillionaire. And then he wrote back in February, 2020, 11 reasons not to become famous. So, so many people are, are, are uh, thinking, you know, fame is the goal. In fact, uh, there was a study done, I think by the Lego company and they were studying children and young people, and they said that um, in this survey that today's children are three times more likely to aspire to be a YouTuber than an astronaut. And so, you know, back in the day, people would say, oh, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up, and now they're more likely to want to be a YouTuber. And so I just thought that was interesting. And so he, Tim Ferriss, says, here are a few reasons uh, to not become famous. He said, uh, death threats are one of them. Uh, people putting all of their hopes in you. You know, he said people, he said stalkers. He said people who said, you know, you've changed my life, but now my life is hopeless. And unless you respond to this message, I'm going to kill myself. And people have done that, you know, so all this, this pressure, dating that Eminem song, Stan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harassment from family members and loved ones. Um, yeah. Extortion. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, so kidnapping, all this stuff. There, there's just all these things, attack and clickbait media, people hacking in his website. So, and then finally he says, um, fame will not fix your problems. If but you, the money will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Better to be rich. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, I know it's that ancient argument that, you know, you, you think fame is going to make you happy, but it actually doesn't. Why do we still believe it, I guess? I've never thought, I've always wanted the riches. To me, like you become famous and then you become rich and the okay. ultimate goal is the money. Okay, and the money's going to make you happy. Money's going to make your life better. Okay, all right. Which then makes you happier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like why? Then you buy you buy stuff, you can get a boat and a hot yes. tub? 
And then you have to maintain those things and they depreciate real quick. And then then you just get another one because you got money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you got that little, that, that really short phrase from Jesus said, you know, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Mm. Boom. <laughs> he didn't say it wouldn't make you happy. <laughs> he did not say that. <laughs> yeah. He did say it was the root of all evil, but no, yeah. he said that the, the love, love of money. money. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, pastor. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, you do love money quite yeah. a bit. I do. But mostly I just like the stuff that it buys. That's good. How much <laughs> stuff can you have, right? I, I just thought that was that was really interesting that how miserable it can be for something. So then maybe the next question is what do you what do you make your life goal? Uh if if these things don't actually lead to happiness, what do you think? Well, you know what he's doing here. He's trying to sympathize with the common man and sure. thereby Increasing his yeah more money huh yeah more authentic buy more books yeah, yeah. buy more books more money. <laughs> I'm relatable we like each other we're friends I hear your plight yeah. you know? he's he's trying to like he's trying to like get a corner on the market he's like no nobody else try this my life is horrible horrible <laughs> <laughs> no but I I agree I mean that makes sense he is looking at the downside and I'm sure that that's true it makes me think of Ecclesiastes. The, the Solomon, he said the same thing. He said, you know, I've, I've, I have as much money as you could possibly have. He was the richest king ever and wisest. I've had enough wisdom. I've had enough notoriety, and I found it to be a chasing after the wind. Mm-hmm. And he said, instead, you need to see life as a gift. If you can see life as a gift and number your days, uh, you can actually appreciate the moment, live in the moment, basically, uh, not for something you might have someday. But you could try, Matt. Maybe you'll be the first one that actually wealth and riches makes them happy. I mean, do you think Solomon's in heaven? I think that's what people look at Ecclesiastes as his kind of um, confession, as to say, I screwed all this up, and now I'm confessing that the only thing that matters is is, is God. So you're saying it'll turn out okay. <laughs> yeah, after you crash and burn, it'll be fine. Yeah. I'm just going to say working for a church is not going to necessarily put you on that trajectory. But <laughs> some we've talked about some churches though. I just I that that I just need the fame and then I can yeah, you know, start like we, a huge Is that really what would make you happy? A lot of money? I don't I who can say. But it's a great place to start. I can definitely start. tell you it's not. <laughs> Without question. So why so here's a question. Why do people want to be famous? Why do kids want to be famous? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the troubling thing. They they see there there's a lot of different reasons. I think I think it goes back to this idea that we want to be God. Back to the garden when the devil said, you know, if you if you you could be like God, you can be God. You can make a name for yourself. So there's something that we we're not content to be made in God's image. We want to be God Himself. We want to mm-hmm. be in control. We want to be worshipped. We want to be God. So I think that's at the heart of it. But I think, you know, when you just look at our human psychology, I think we um, we see somebody like a YouTuber and they look like they ha- their, their life is awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's why I thought, you know, whether this is good motives or not that he's writing this, he's saying, well, let me pull back the curtain a little bit that this is actually the things that actually go on. And I think famous people don't always project all the trouble that actually comes with it. 
Why do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm I because I I really don't think I would want to be famous. That sounds like again, if I get more money, that's great. But like just the fact that like people are gonna like watch you all the time, and like oh, I I guess you'd want your opinion to be respected, but you wouldn't really. I wouldn't want to be like a celebrity, right? Can they? I mean, I feel like there are rare instances where those those are, you know, separate. Rich, you know, being famous and being wealthy. Mm-hmm. But I think oftentimes they're. I mean, they're they're a package, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately what our heart wants is security and love. So you would just want the love of people, and so you think. <laughs> Matt's like right. he's like gagging over here. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Robot, robot. That was I think it's that a disorder. Genuine question. I think oh, it I think it is a disordered <laughs> desire, right? That you you we desire to be loved and, and love. And then we think that this, you know, you take that to the extreme. I want lots of people to love me, not real recognize without the necessarily the sacrifice that it takes to have a relationship and like, just want people to love yeah, me. Not as much vulnerability, just sort of a mass cheap love. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. And then I think the money thing is the security, right? That we want we want control. And all those things are, again, good, not bad things, uh, but they become bad things when they become ultimate things. Love and power. Yeah. That's what people want. And security, yeah. And that's what God is, I guess, kind of, right? Yeah. And that you already have those things in, in God. I think mm-hmm. that's what Augustine his famous quote from the beginning of his confessions is, uh, you know, our hearts are restless until we rest in you. And so we're going to keep being restless until we actually rest in something we already have in God. So, so I, I, I don't know if I have anything else to say on that topic, but I just thought this was um, interesting. There is this pursuit and then there's a reality. And so maybe we should be pursuing something else. Matt, what do you got? Well, according to the sheets, I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) As normal. Annie and I have these lists of things on our minds, and uh, there's Matt. Matt just likes to surprise us on the spot here. Well, no, we did already talk about this a little bit off off the air. Um, uh, Like... On, like online like scam or spamming oh and... yeah particularly of a graphic nature right yeah so i like every so often you get a spam thing mm-hmm. right a message that's like hey you want to apply for this fund rate this sweepstakes or whatever yeah. it is and then you talk to them a bunch and then they tell you, you gotta send them like 300 bucks so they can clear all the forms and yeah whatever that is you're the only one like engaging in conversation <laughs> with these so people so much fun <laughs> But then, but then I get some other ones that are text messages that are, they are probably, I'm assuming they're like automated. Mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't really seem like it's a real person, but it's, it'll be, um, like very suggestive and, um, even comes with photos. Sometimes sometimes. comes with photos. Um, yeah. And it'll be this girl or a computer pretending to be a girl and it's, you know, trying to lure you in and then. It's like, oh, check out this website, and then, yeah. you know, um, but I, I guess, I guess, um, so, so obviously, I, so I, I talk to these people, and I just <laughs> give them crap because it's so much fun. Um, but I said something to one of these, um, these, these girls, or whatever, 
um and you know she was she said something like oh you you should come over and and tonight my parents aren't home or you know something like that and i i said something like okay <laughs> <laughs> i no i said something like um i have to ask my mom because it's a school night yeah and and just to see what they'd say and then they just didn't let up wow. and my thought is okay like i just cued you in to the fact that maybe i'm like 12 yes. or like 14 yeah. or something yes. and i ended up getting uh nude photos from this person jeez they just they just plopped in my inbox wow. it was like well that's kind of scary yeah because i have kids though yes age, right exactly yeah and you I, have no idea i'm i'm stunned that they even do that if you say something like like well first of all where are they getting your phone number are they getting it from a source that would indicate that you are over the age of 18 so let's just say yeah i don't know because I, I don't remember ever getting this stuff when i right. was but yeah. well let's say they grab the voter registration or something and they grabbed your number off that or whatever yeah. and they assume that you're over the age of 18 yeah but that's not to say that a child couldn't be playing with your with the phone at the time you know yeah. like who knows yeah. um i've kind of taken the same approach i've been getting a few lately and i'm just like oh it's yeah you know i've it's a school night or, Jeez. you know, sixth grade is real, real tough these, you know, these days. <laughs> oh, so and sad. they, and they continue to push wow. and, and send photos and it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's just diabolical. You know, I just, I have no other answer besides the devil. And I think there's quite a bit of work that has been done in our church body with conquerors through Christ, a, a, a whole website dedicated to helping people overcome pornography addiction. And I, I think if I remember right, they were talking about statistics, you know, this is a billion dollar industry and they will, it's like a, a drug dealer, you know, they'll give you free stuff to get you hooked on this drug of, um, of pornography and then you'll never stop. And, and it, you talk to people who have struggled with this addiction and they would talk about it. Same sounds similar to people who are struggling with, cocaine or something like that so i i think that's part of it the boldness though yeah and and the fact that you guys were trying to respond that that is really diabolical Can't and really you get scary in trouble for that i mean isn't that like well, well and i don't know if it does like the responses don't really seem like a real person like they seem like they're auto-generated they don't sure. address the question maybe sure. that you ask or the yeah. statement that you make there's just sort of like they just keep like a just vague. driving in one direction oh, and so, so like sad. If I say like, "Oh, how are you?" you know, sometimes they'll just ignore it, or yeah. you know, it, it. But yeah, I guess where, where did the where did they get my number? And the fact is, I could get a text out of nowhere. Yeah, and if you report it, I wonder what is there a way that they could even find that right? That they could even respond to that. That's just really sad. What's What's a little bit strange too is I had one of these. And I told my friend about it and had to be like a month or two later. She gets a message from the same person wow. because they also sent like a, a picture of their face. Wow. And I was like, that's the same person. And my friend lives six hours away. Wow. Driving. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's messed up. That's messed up. So what is your what are your thoughts how can we stop this how do why where is where's this coming from what's the motivation what yeah i guess the first question is like how why are we how did we get here yeah like i mean that's it's it's scary to think that you could be targeted by that 
person, mm-hmm. it's also scary to think about what's happening to that person. Right. And why are they doing this? Like, how is your life, to me, right, to mm-hmm. me, who has, I would say, a relatively grounded perspective on good and evil, <laughs> on, on, on wise and foolish things, relatively. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, to me, yeah, it says, okay, your life's pretty screwed up. There's a lot wrong. Yeah. There. It's I, maybe not all your fault, but something's very wrong. I think that's one way, too, to help people who are caught in this. You know, when someone says that this is a victimless crime, like, oh, I'm looking at pornography, you know, like the people behind that on the other side of that, you know, that's sex trafficking. That's they're being used and they're miserable also. And so you, that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's son, you know, that's somebody's kid. And so I, I think anything we can do to, to respond to this, to stop, I'm, I'm so thankful for the law enforcement that spends as much as they can uh, to try to bring some of these businesses down, but it's, we need to show it for the wickedness and the and the darkness it really is. It's not a victimless crime. And what I've also seen is short videos or interviews or something with people who do this. And it to me, the stuff that's getting pushed is people in the industry that say, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a job. Yeah, there's a stigma about it, but they don't really know what's going on. And, you know, I just show up and I do my job and just work you know and i've heard men say that and i've heard women say that and they're like like some older people say oh yeah i used to do that i really miss it it was a lot of fun back when i was starring in adult pictures that devalues human life yeah so much i mean i think it's i think it's horrifying but that what that that's also the stuff that is getting pushed to me like that's the stuff that's showing up and i'll just like like, i have to watch this because what on earth you know like i think that's another really important reason to to talk to our kids and i try as much as i can i thought we could keep them away from all the technology i don't know how to do that um i don't know how to protect them from it so we try to talk about it a lot and 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 hopefully say things like it's not your fault but if somebody you know trying to lay out this scenario but if somebody were to uh to try to talk to you about it you know i remember hearing uh, a big name uh, radio guy who's, you know, got a huge following, very rich and all that stuff. And he's got all the protections you could have on his internet, on his home, all that. And he picked up the phone and somebody was trying through video games, was trying to talk to his son and, you know, you know, all that kind of, so I think anything we can do to overcome evil with good, um, and to, to uncover it for the, the, the wickedness that it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would say what's more helpful is is trying to teach, let's say, your kids to be, uh, I don't know, you have to really t- tell them to be wise and, and tell them tell them what could happen and tell them yeah. what could happen as a result of that right. and not just say like, oh, that's PG-13 and you're 12, so don't watch it. Right. Because right. then they'll just see this enticing, right. you know, And it's not always obvious whatever. either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not not always just this blatant wrong, you know, sometimes yeah. with the grooming and things like that, it, it's a slow yeah. process that mm-hmm. they might not even be able to identify as kids, you know? Yeah. I think we do need to do more training. There is a training you can do for kids to just help them be more aware and what to do and who to go to. And I think 
that that's a worthy worthy program it it's really troubling you know back to what solomon said guard your heart you know guard your heart and uh unfortunately the problem with this is that the devil continues to find ways that there is less and less accountability or stigma you know in the past you had to go to a adult bookstore maybe somebody would see you your car there right <laughs> you know i'm serious and then I don't, I don't, I hear you. and then or you had a mag or whatever magazine or whatever now because it's so hidden with your phone or whatever um it, it, there's less resistance and and less accountability and it's just so easier for people to get caught in addictions yeah well, and I think I told you guys, but I'm, I don't think I brought it up on the podcast when I um, I went to the metaverse, you know, about six weeks ago or whatever mm -hmm. and took a yoga class and it was really cool overall. But all of a sudden, um, uh, one of the, the avatars ran up and like ran up to the instructor and like was like trying to grope her. It looked mm -hmm. like and I was like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, am I seeing things? And it turns out that this type of stuff does happen. Hmm. Um, and, and I guess kind of the, the rule, the, the norm in the metaverse is to just ignore these like troll type, hmm. you know, people. But it's just, I mean, it's just there's. How can they even be allowed? Well, the, How can that n not be stopped or whatever? Because like, I guess you can't. I mean, the, the teacher. Can't kick them out? Can't, well, I just probably didn't. Yeah. I mean, you can't feel it. Right. You know, you don't necessarily right. know. Um, bizarre who knows maybe she didn't even see the guy run up I mean who knows like it's yeah it was it was weird I I thought am I, am I losing my mind here <laughs> like and I I don't think I don't think so I think that's something I've heard too with with all this new technology you know virtual reality you're going to have a whole nother level of of ways that the the devil can tell lies and uh again it's not gonna be a victimless crime and it's done in secret too, right? right? And yeah. so I think one of the things that uh, I was talking to Pastor Bill about it is, you know, they, they encourage you to have kind of like a a metaverse buddy kind mm. of to hold wow. you accountable so wow. that, because it's so easy to probably go into yeah. any of this stuff and nobody really knows about it. Right. You know, yep. Yep. so. Yep. Yeah. Anything we can do to keep bringing light to a, a dark, dark world. Yeah, why are you getting all this on your phone, though? That's weird. That well, no, and here's the other weird thing, too. Now, you said you mentioned your friend six hours away, but now, as a result, I don't know if it's like... Am I going to start getting stuff on I my know, phone? I know, if you're viral or something, because, <laughs> like, I'm getting I'm infected. Things. Yes, you're infected with the... Yeah, but now I, I've recently been getting some of these things, too, and mm. I'm like, I have... They're a lot of fun, though. I mean, you can... They're, they're... exhausting. <laughs> what... <laughs> Yeah. You have to qualify what you mean by that. Like you messing with the system is Mes what you're yeah, saying. People okay. when they're like trying to get money out of you, messing okay. with them, it's so much fun. Okay. Well, we had one of our church members had uh, his Facebook hacked. Remember this? Yeah. And so the fa the the I messed because I messaged him right away, and I was just like, "Hey, did you just make a new Facebook?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "Oh, okay, you're awesome." Yeah. <laughs> but then the guy, the hacker, like messaged or friend requested or whatever, yeah. and so Matt and I were both kind of messing with him on our on our own. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness! Like I won the prize. <gasps> oh my yeah, goodness! Right. <laughs> please, please. What do my, I have to do? Please. My I'm grandfather's just... about to lose his farm to the big bank, who's going to turn it into a country club. <laughs> I need this money. Just really go, you know, going to town is fun. 
Well, I guess that's another way to overcome it, right? You're a vigilante. Is that what you're saying? It's <laughs> good. I like it. Yes. I am justice. I am vengeance. <laughs> I am vengeance. Are you the shadows? <laughs> or right. are you in the shadows? Well, very good. I, uh, I look forward to the day that Jesus returns and makes all things new. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Mm. What are we going to do without conflict? There'll be enough to do. We won't be people okay. anymore. It's hardwired <laughs> okay. into us. Okay. All right. I'm good. I'm good. good. See you guys. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.